The following pre-recorded program is paid for by SSI Guardian. Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg. With your host, psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, Living Well with Dr. Peg explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics. Brought to you by SSI Guardian, Living Well with Dr. Peg shares effective and practical psychological strategies based on biblical principles for living well. To learn more about the show or Dr. Peg's mental health consulting and publishing services, visit drpegradio.com. And now, here's your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. It's great to be with you today for another episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, brought to you every week by our sponsor, SSI Guardian. And we're coming to you from Denver, Colorado on 94.7 KRKS and streaming around the world at 947krks.com. And did you know that you can also download the KRKS, KRKS app to listen on your smartphone and if you missed last week's episode or any episode of Living Well with Dr. Pegg, you can listen to program archives at drpegradio.com. That's D-R-P-E-G radio.com. My guest today is Clayton Cranford, a law enforcement professional who lives in Southern California and who is one of the nation's leading law enforcement educators on social media and child safety. And Clayton Cranford is the author of Parenting in a Digital World, and he's the creator of Cyber Safety Cop, an internet and social media safety program that teaches parents and students how to avoid the inherent risks of social media and other web-based platforms by using safe habits. Clayton Cranford, Cyber Safety Cop, thank you for being with us today, and welcome to the program. Thank you, Dr. Pegg. Thanks for having me on. And uh, we... Um, met at um, a conference in Long Beach, California, and I was just so impressed with your presentation. It was a very visual and interactive and multimedia presentation, and beyond that, the substance was there. You just have a wealth of experience and excellent advice and uh, cautionary tales uh, for parents and young people alike. So why don't we start um, get started by you telling our listeners what exactly do we even mean by cyber safety? Sure. Thanks, Dr. Pegg. Well, um, you know, cyber safety is, uh, it's kind of a, a, a big idea because it's not just, um, I think, what most parents uh, think it might be. It's, it's more than just turning on the, the parental controls on your, on your child's uh, devices or computer, which is important. I mean, that's kind of a hardware or software-based um, uh, approach to cyber safety, um, but what I want to do is I want uh, parents and uh, students to, um, you know, look at the behaviors uh, behind uh, safe Internet or social media use in addition to the other things that they're doing, um, settings and those kinds of things on their devices. So cyber safety is, um, you know, the ability to act and uh, in a safe, responsible manner when you're on the Internet uh, or connected to social media platforms. And, um, and, you know, and, and utilizing um, these, you know, techniques that I talk about so that you minimize uh, your exposure to danger online or some, some, of, the, some of that exposure is um, accidental. Maybe you type in the wrong uh, web address and you end up at an uh, adult-oriented um, you know, website and, and the child didn't mean to go there 
or it's um, you know you know not letting um, you know strangers in your social media um, you know platforms and, and you know being aware of uh, online predators that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, you know it used to be where we could just keep our kids close to keep them safe, but it seems now that danger is potentially in our own homes and even in the palm of our children's hands. So when you're talking about cyber safety, uh, it's really different in, in a lot of ways than our our, our physical safety because um, the Internet is just ubiquitous and um, we just, um, the door opens, like you said, even accidentally. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's, I think it's a big challenge for parents because, um, you know, parents today did not grow up in a world where we had social media and we had the internet, and uh, so we we try to equate you know our own experiences of, of personal safety, um, and uh, and we look at what um, our kids are doing, and it's hard to kind of kind of make those experiences um, you know be one to one because uh, you know for most parents when your child comes home and they're in your house you think okay my kid's safe, uh, but in reality children when they come home. You know, they they pull out their their cell phone or they're on their computer and they're not just communicating with the people in your neighborhood, for instance, but they're communicating with nearly three billion people online, and the relationships uh, that they're creating online are as impactful and potentially as dangerous as any relationship that they can have in person. Mm-hmm. And maybe even more so, Clayton, because they have more frequent access to those people. Whereas um, when I was a young person. Either my parents gave me a ride to see someone, it was walking distance, I could ride my bike or I could get on the bus. But if those those methods were not an option, I didn't communicate with certain people. We didn't have a telephone in our bedroom. I shared a room with my sister. We begged our parents, please let us have a phone in our room. There was just the phone on the wall in the kitchen <laughs> that had a, a, a cord that only stretched but so far. And so um, today, when our kids are home, they don't need our permission necessarily. They don't need our help necessarily to connect with other people and develop relationships. Yeah, and that you know, there's a there's a two sides to uh, to that situation. I mean, it's an amazing, unprecedented um, reality that they can communicate with um, people all over the world, all their friends, all the time. Uh, but with the you know the the flip side of that is that um, parents don't have dominion and control over who their kids are communicating with, uh, as opposed to when we were kids. Yeah, there was a there was a hey you're going to so and so's house and there was a reasonable expectation of knowing you know who might be there and you knew the parents and all those things. That kind of stuff's out the window now. It's a it's a completely different situation, and it's very overwhelming for parents. And uh, I mean I I talk to parents throughout the United States, and this is the the message that I'm getting, is that it's so overwhelming that they kind of throw their hands up in the air and say, I don't know what to do. And unfortunately, they they don't do – they either – they're so overwhelmed that they don't do anything um, or or the other side of that, they don't know what's going on. So there's there's no call to action, and, uh, and, and these kids are kind of running around on the Internet and social media doing whatever they want. And when we have kids with no boundaries, no barriers, they, they tend to run into something that's going to be, you know, a problem. Mm-hmm. And th- that's why this episode is so important, and I'm so grateful to have you on the program today because, as you stated, um, parents of my generation or older, we didn't have uh, any uh, anything like what 
young people have access to today. So we really don't understand even what all of the applications are, what all of the websites are, what all the social media platforms are to even know, know where to begin to keep our children safe. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about what are some of the common apps or applications and social media platforms that young people are using today, and what would be some of the risks that parents should be aware of with those with those technologies? Yeah, so um, some of the, the the apps that that students and children want to be on right now are going to be um, either um, you know kind of an instant messaging app um, like uh, Kick Messenger or WhatsApp or Line. Um, these allow you to communicate with your friends or whoever uh, by merely having a, um, uh, a, a, a Wi-Fi connection. So even if you have a kid who maybe has a Wi-Fi-only you know, iPad, they don't have a cell phone plan, they, they can download one of these apps free from the app uh, store and can be communicating with anybody who has um, a, a similar app. Uh, another, uh, you know, other couple other apps that kids are loving because they get to share and they like sharing they're sharing a lot of intimate information about themselves and sometimes with strangers, and they may be doing that through um, uh, through Snapchat um, and um, through some other ones that are kind of fun but have potential issues uh, like Musical.ly, uh, where you can create um, you know like a music video and you can share that with uh, people online. And because when kids create some, create something like a, a music video, like where they're you know lip syncing to their favorite song. They want a lot of people to see it, and it's more cool for them if they get, you know, instead of sharing this with their 20 or 30 friends, they would rather make it public and share it with the millions of people on Musical.ly um, and get, you know, hundreds of likes uh, and comments on a particular, you know, um, song they did, but now they're opening themselves up to complete strangers. So their desire to be, you know, to share and to and kind of be, um, you know, um, you know, Someone saying, hey, you did a great job here is trumping their knowledge and their understanding of, of the safety issues involved. And mm-hmm. so that's that's kind of what social media does. It wants you to share. It's begging you to share. Mm-hmm. It's begging you to get people to like what you're sharing. And so often kids are looking for uh, strangers. Uh, they're looking for the biggest audience possible, and uh, they're inviting people into their lives that um, their parents don't know and could t- potentially be you know, somebody who means them harm. Right. And so that that millennial generation is known for um, this desire, as you're saying, to be seen and recognized and acknowledged. And the more, quote unquote, likes that you get, um, the more popular uh, you're perceived as and the better many young people feel about themselves, um, which is fine uh, if you're you're musically inclined or trying to share some talent or expertise that you have this is a great platform to do that but it sounds like the concern is when in that desire to reach as many people as possible and make your uh, profile and your contact information public you're opening up your yourself the the young person's opening themselves up to people with um, not so um, not so benign motives exactly and another app like snapchat it's promising you privacy. You send this image to someone else with the idea that it might delete off of their device after they look at it. And there's been a lot of cases that I've dealt with as a school resource officer where that doesn't happen. So they're sending information. They hope it's going to be safe. And and, and, and when they send and share an, uh, an image with somebody else, 
it tends to get around to a lot more people than they well first thought it might. Right. So Snapchat, where the intention is for it to disappear within a few seconds of viewing it, uh, what many people don't realize is there's something known as a screenshot <laughs> that saves whatever appears on your device, whether it disappears eventually or not. Like back in the day, Mission Impossible, you know, it self-destructs in five seconds. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter if someone's taken a screenshot. So uh, we're we're talking about cyber safety with my guest, Cyber Safety Cop, Clayton Cranford. And when we return, Clayton will discuss the problems of what's called sexting and the problem of online predators, and so much more. Um, But first we're going to hear a word from our sponsor, SSI Guardian, who set the new standard on advanced safety, education, and solutions. You're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and my guest is Clayton Cranford. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. One needs to look no further than today's headlines to understand the threats facing American schools. They remain soft targets for violent threats, and yet our schools go largely underprepared. Our children deserve the highest level of education in the safest learning environment possible. The SSI Guardian QAL, or Quick Action Lockdown, is the fastest and safest way to lock down a classroom. This revolutionary device provides schools with maximum locking protection while meeting all safety, fire, and building codes. Designed by the leading lock experts in the world, the QAL is the only lock that meets Department of Homeland Security primer recommendations. SSI Guardian QAL now makes classroom lockdowns fast and safe with the red button. As a parent, you have every right to demand that your child is afforded the best classroom protection. Take action today by calling SSI Guardian at 877-878-5800 or go to guardianprotect.com. That's guardianprotect.com. To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking with cybersecurity expert Clayton Cranford. And you can learn more about Clayton Cranford at cybersafetycop.com. That's a little bit of a tongue twister for me. I had... A little too much coffee. <laughs> Cybersafetycop.com. Clayton, thank you again for being with us today. Thank you, Dr. Peg. Well, you were talking about some of the different apps, the messaging apps, instant messaging apps like Snapchat, and how uh, really the goal is to reach as many people as possible, but that comes with it some inherent dangers. And it occurs to me that there may be some listeners who uh, haven't heard of some of these applications or even the functions that they're designed uh, to carry out. And um, it's there's just new uh, apps and technologies coming out so frequently that it, it's hard for some of us, like me, to keep up with all of them. Yeah, there that, that's uh, the challenge, uh, even for me. Um, and w- when I was a school resource officer, I had the the benefit of of you know talking directly with students and asking them, hey, what's you know what's the new app? What are you guys doing? And and uh, so they were, you know, um, unwittingly giving me the information that I was passing on to their parents to help keep them safe. But yeah, there's, there's, um, um, uh, you know, there's money in it for these uh, developers, and they're going to create applications that are, you know, you know, quote unquote, exciting experiences for teens. And usually, what that means, it's code for exciting experiences. It's code for uh, dangerous, um, you know, types of experiences, typically. And um, 
And so, yeah, parents, uh, you know, it's difficult for them to see on top of what's going on. So I try to provide that information um, on my website. Oh, great. Good. And that's cybersafetycop.com. And you have all kinds of uh, resources and checklists and things that we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, so continue on with some of the different categories. We were talking about instant messaging apps. What other types of social media and apps are out there that parents need to be aware of? Yeah, so, uh, we, you know, you have your... Um, you have your instant messaging apps, um, we were discussing, and then you have like your kind of more basic, standard kind of um, social media platforms like uh, Instagram and Facebook. Um, you know, however, st- students have, have kind of moved away from Facebook, but Instagram is very popular with uh, students because they get to share images. Um, it's very easy for them to do that, and um, and also you know with uh, Snapchat, which uh, we covered in the last segment. But um, actually, Snapchat's actually morphing into something that's more similar to Instagram now, where you're not merely sending images or posts that, you know, you know, quote unquote, disappear after the person views it. But now they can actually create stories, and you can store them on there, and people can can watch it, um, you know, over and over again. And then another class of uh, social media that I think is very interesting, um, potentially very dangerous for students, and it's gaining in popularity is this this um, 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 I guess what you call like um, live streaming. Okay, so oh, right. yeah. Uh, yeah, so apps like Periscope mm-hmm. would be the number one uh, in this in this category. A Meerkat is another. Uh, Facebook has noticed that this is becoming a, a really you know important trend, and so now they've included live streaming uh, with their with their basic you know um, Facebook service. But the idea here is that it turns people into kind of a citizen journalist, right? You can turn your phone into a live action camera and you can live stream it right on the internet anybody can view it it's public so along along with that you get um one you get uh kids who 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 might be live streaming um often just in their own home they're sitting in their home they're bored and they're live streaming themselves and then people will uh log on and watch them and then they can actually ask them questions so there's commentary that's happening that you can watch on the screen and then the person who's who's uh, uh, live casting this w- w- can respond to them. So this just creates um, for 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 teenagers just a huge security issue. Um, and then if your GPS is turned on your phone, it also shows your the area that you are in, like within about a um, a block radius of where you are. It'll show where you are. So it'll show the city that you're in. And uh, uh, I had uh, a situation where I had a student who was walking home from school, uh, a 10-year-old girl who was live-streaming herself while she's walking home from school. So now you have a girl who's out in the open, live-streaming, talking to strangers with a GPS location showing her relatively where she's at, um, and her parent was una- unaware that this was going mm-hmm. on. So this this kind of technology is available if you you know, make it available to them via the app store. So when when parents... Um, if parents turn on their parental controls on their phones and restrict downloads, you, we can keep our kids from getting their hands on, on these type of applications. But Periscope um, is, is very new. It's very popular, and you're going to see more and more of this type of thing because once one app becomes very popular and it gets a lot of buzz, you're going to see other people jumping on board. Right, and, and kind of cloning it, making their own version of it. So parents may find out about Periscope but not know that there's three or four other clone-type apps that perform the same function. 
Yeah, parents need to, you know, um, before you give your kid an app, you need to, you know, due diligence and um, look at the features. What can it do? Perhaps you need to download it and try it. Um, or go to, you know, go to my website, cybersafetycop.com, and see if uh, this is something that I've discussed on there. Go to other websites like commonsensemedia.org and see if they have any reviews for parents there. And so there's 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 some resources for parents, and um, or just simply Google the name of the app and parental review, and see what kind of see what kind of information you see there before you say yes. So mm-hmm. Do a little do a little digging. Good, good. Well, let's shift gears because uh, these apps that you've discussed already, and I'm sure there's you know dozens more that parents need to be aware of, and they can learn more about those on your website, uh, cybersafetycop.com. But thinking about things like uh, GPS and live streaming and Snapchat and Instagram, um, those are really open doors to things such as cyberbullying or even online predators. Tell tell the listeners more about each of those issues. Yeah, so you can you can be a, uh, a student on any one of these social media platforms like Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and by merely being present, you are exposing yourself to potentially to bullying or to being contacted by an online predator and. Um, some places are going to be more dangerous than others, just like knowing you don't walk in a particular neighborhood because you know there may be trouble there. But it can happen anywhere, I mean, honestly. So um, parents need to be aware. Um, talk to your students about what's going on and, and having students feel safe to go to their mom and dad and tell them what's happening. But, um, yeah, so uh, a common a common thing that I'm seeing, uh, like especially on Instagram, is a is a as a student creating a false or fraudulent um, account uh, in somebody else's name, and um, maybe even grabbing their their uh, the legitimate um, you know profile image, and then putting on this putting on a fraudulent one and making it look as if this fraudulent um, account belongs to the victim, and then they're on there now um, writing as if they're that person as the victim and inviting their friends to see it, and it's just an opportunity for them to say horrible things and kids to laugh along and and um and the only way to address that situation is you know awareness knowing that it's going on and then requesting instagram to to take it down because it's it's a fraudulent site and that's and that's something that happens a lot um and if you know students and parents are um quick to respond those things can usually be um you know handled in a in a, in a timely fashion um I think students really need to understand that if you send an image of yourself to another person, it doesn't that image doesn't belong to you anymore. It belongs to the universe. So um, kids are not really thinking about the consequences. They're thinking about what's fun now, and this might be exciting, and um, or whatever else they're thinking about. But they're not thinking about how this might impact my relationships at school, how this is going to impact my relationship with my parents, or um, you know my opportunities you know, to go on to college or to, you know, get a job in the future. And if you send someone an intimate or inappropriate image of yourself, um, you're opening yourself up to that person, sharing that with others. And that can be incredibly harmful and impactful on students. Uh, and and we usually call this type of thing called sexting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it can be anything. It can be anything that would embarrass you if, if others saw it. And this is, um, this is a major problem that I'm having at my junior highs and my high schools. Because kids aren't really thinking about what are the long-term consequences for me doing this. They're thinking about, you know, 
you know, I want to make someone like me now. I want to have fun now. Um, they're not thinking about, you know, um, what, what could this mean for me? Right. And while we're focusing on, you know, back to school and parents being aware of these issues as they're dealing with their children and, and teenagers, young adults, their students, uh, this is good advice for adults as well. I, I, I see plenty of my peers who are posting uh, inappropriate, in my opinion, inappropriate images that um, if they're applying for a job, I don't know how many people realize, especially young people may not realize this, most employers today will Google you and assign someone who's on the hiring committee to look at your online profile or your online reputation. And that factors into uh, hiring for jobs, being accepted into colleges, uh, scholarships. And so it has a ripple effect, not just for young people, but for all of us, doesn't it? It does indeed. And it, you just have you don't have to look very far to see some examples of people who have radically altered their lives in, 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 in a bad way because they were online and they did something where they were even joking. Um, but the problem with um, social media is that there's no context. So you can say something in jest online, but um, people can take that any way they like. And once it's out there, you can't get it back. So even when you think that you're just kidding around, you're joking, this isn't, this isn't serious, um, if, if someone were to look at that and say, well, I, don't, I think that's inappropriate, you, you, have a, you have to explain what's going on, and sometimes um, you can't. Sometimes you just can't take those things back, Yes. I heard a rabbi once say that gossip was like standing on the top of a hill and releasing a bag full of feathers. You can never collect them all back. And sounds like what you're saying, uh, uh, Clayton Cranford, is that it's the same with social media. Once you post it out there, even if you think it might disappear or your privacy settings are restricted, it's out there for the world to see and uh, may never be able to be retrieved. My guest today is cybersecurity and child safety expert Clayton Cranford. His website is cybersafetycop.com. Living Well with Dr. Pegg is brought to you by SSI Guardian. Stay with us. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm Ron Rockstra. Chicago police are questioning witnesses, but so far no one's been arrested in the shooting death of a cousin of NBA star Dwayne Wade. Police say Nikea Aldridge was pushing her baby in a stroller near a school where she intended to register her children when she was shot yesterday. They say she was not the intended target. This July alone, there were 65 homicides in Chicago, the most that month since 2006. Meanwhile, a review of Chicago police records by the Chicago Tribune finds four out of every five people shot by officers from 2010 to 2015 were African-American males. Most of the police shootings took place in the south and west side neighborhoods beset by gang violence. A federal appeals court has refused to reconsider a pair of rulings affecting Wisconsin's voter ID law meaning no more changes to the requirement that are likely before the November election. This is SRN News. Can you hear your garage door shake, rattle, and roll throughout your home every single time it goes up or goes down? Hi, this is Dave Logan. I talked to Don at Don's Garage Door about this problem, and they have new garage door systems that are really quiet. I've used Don's garage doors in my house, found them to be knowledgeable and fairly priced. They're great. You should call them at 303-794-0604, 303-794-0604, or check out donsgaragedoors.com. Hi, this is Dave Logan for Don's Garage Doors. You know, putting in a new garage door not only increases the curb appeal of your home, but it also makes it easier to sell. I was talking to Don the other day, and he told me it's the best investment, dollar for dollar, that you can make in your home. 
All I know is that I've had Don's Garage Door out to my home, and I trust him. Great work at a great price. Call Don's Garage Door today at 303-794-0604, or you can check him out at donsgaragedoors.com. This is Michael Medved for townhall.com. Republicans have begun to pay serious attention to the party's problems with black, Latino, and Asian voters. But the GOP also performs miserably with young Americans. Recent polling shows Hillary Clinton beating Donald Trump by nearly 3 to 1 among voters under 35. But this youth vote preference for Democrats is nothing new. Obama crushed both Romney and McCain by similar margins. In fact, without his lopsided victory among under 35s, Obama would have lost his bid for re-election. It's crucial to the party's survival and future success that Republicans begin fighting more effectively for young people. Younger candidates might actually help. In six out of the last seven presidential elections, the GOP nominee has been older than his Democratic rival. The only exception came in 2004, with George W. Bush two years younger than John Kerry. Coincidentally, that was the only race since 1988 in which the Republican actually won a popular vote majority. I'm Michael Medved. To learn more about living well with Dr. Pegg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Welcome back, everyone. My guest today is cybersecurity and child safety expert Clayton Cranford. His website is cybersafetycop.com. Now, Clayton, you've really painted a picture of so many risks and vulnerabilities for our children online, and I want you to talk uh, also about um, online predators. Is that something that we're hearing more about in the context of human trafficking, or at least that's that's kind of where I've heard more about it? Uh, Can you tell the listeners about online predators and really what is the risk there? Sure. Yeah, I do a lot of work with anti-human trafficking groups and um, the internet and social media has really become the, the, the new portal uh, for, these, for these traffickers to recruit um, uh, young uh, teens. And um, I, I've had a lot of personal experience working with parents and teens who, who have been uh, victims or potential victims of this. And, um, you know, all, all children are looking for love and acceptance, and, and that's universal. Um, and the the predators know that, and so they're going to prey on kids who are out there um, actively looking for it. Um, and it's called grooming. So the what, the what the predators trying to do is create an emotional connection between uh, themselves and and the victim. And uh, you know, I had a I had a, a 12 year old uh, girl in one of my middle schools who was not doing well there, not getting along, maybe being bullied. Um, not being accepted by the other girls in her class and, and went on social media on Instagram looking for um, someone who would, would be her friend, essentially. And uh, it didn't take long for a predator to swoop in there and start telling her that, uh, you know, she's, uh, she's special and she's loved and um, they're going to be their friend. And that's exactly what she needed to hear, right? She She needed someone to tell her that, uh, that 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 she's you know beautiful et cetera, and um, you know all, all the insecurities that she had. Um, this person was um, using that to manipulate her, and uh, which included you know, hey, do you have a boyfriend? No, I'd be your boyfriend, and um, you know, you know, she's like, well, I don't you know I don't feel good about my um, my my physical appearance, my you know, and he said, well, you know, take a picture 
of yourself in front of a mirror and send it to me so I can see what we're talking about here. And so she did nothing, nothing inappropriate per se, but she took, stood clothed in front of a mirror, took a picture, sent it to him. And he came back and said, you are, you know, something that she's never heard before. You are beautiful. You know, you're sexy. And this is coming from someone who's older. So it just carries even more meaning for her. Um, and, uh, it was her parent, um, catching the, uh, this uh, a text message from him on her phone, just walking by her, her, her daughter's phone and seeing this text message and, and then did some investigation, um, really um, prevented what it looked like to be this, this man arranging an in-person meeting with her daughter. Hmm. Um, so her daughter was convinced this was a friend, not someone who wanted to hurt them, um, but her daughter was was on the road, on, on that path to being a victim of, of violence or, or um, something else. So mm-hmm. she was very fortunate. But this is, this is something that's happening all the time, and predators are looking for, you know, kids who, um, uh, that they can talk to without exposing themselves. So the Internet is perfect, right? It, it allows you to be anonymous. You can do it from the, from, uh, you can create any persona you like. And you go to a place where there's kids 24-7, and that's that's the Internet, that's social media, and that's something parents need to understand and be able to identify um, those kinds of steps that um, that I just discussed with grooming. Right, right. And and while sometimes the person they're communicating with might be another teenager, uh, the person is not always who they say they are. Um, they may be, in fact, even older than they're stating they are. Uh, you said that, you know, coming from an older person, it carries even more weight, but uh, they may not be the 21-year-old young adult they're saying they are. They could, in fact, be a 51-year-old adult. And so, yes. really, there there's no way of knowing who your children are communicating with. And I appreciate what you're saying, that the most vulnerable young people are those who are looking for love and acceptance, but we know that uh, even kids from quote-unquote good families are still vulnerable, uh, that um, anyone can be misled uh, to to believe that um, they're in a safe situation or communicating safely with someone when they're really in danger. Yeah, every kid. Every kid is a potential victim of this, and the people who are using these manipulation techniques are learning from each other, um, they are um, practiced, and they go into those into those conversations with with uh, with, the, with their victims, knowing how to manipulate them. Mm-hmm. So they they know what they're doing. Our kids are um, naive and um, unaware of what's going on here, um, and not until it's too late, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. So we can't exactly do away with technology altogether to keep our children safe. It's obviously a valuable tool. They may need it for homework. Uh, Certainly, you know, what's wrong with watching a video online or even sending a text message to a friend. And so technology provides many advantages, serves a function. But how do we maintain appropriate use and safety uh, while minimizing those risks that you're talking about? What are are some guidelines for parents um, in terms of minimizing the risk uh, and balancing that online activity. Sure. Yeah, and uh, I love technology. Uh, I have. I'm a. I'm a parent. I have uh, two teenage boys 
who also love technology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm in the boat uh, with all your listeners. Yes. Um, we're, we're all doing this. We're all in this together. And um, it's, you know, a lot like driving, right? When your kid gets turned 16, we don't just throw the keys at them and say, you know, good luck. We want to give them all the appropriate, you know, uh, training and experience that they need so that when they get on the road, they're doing it safely. Same with social media. So um, I would say, uh, I'd say you need to sit down with your child and have a conversation. And uh, I have a um, a contract uh, that you can download for free off my website, off of of cybersafetycop.com, that will kind of give you a step-by-step, you know, issue by issue that you can go through and talk with your child about um, the various things that, that they're going to be potentially experiencing online. And so using that as a kind of script. Um, but, you know, uh, probably one of the number one things that I tell students, I, I do a student um, assembly for cyber safety, is we don't let strangers into our home, right? Our, the door to our house is locked, and when someone wants in, they knock on the door, we look through the people or whatever, and then if we know who they are, then we let them in. Social media is the same. So we have a we have a, um, a social media uh, like platform like Instagram that's private, right? So it's not public; not anybody can get in there. And if it's private, someone has to ask to come in, um, and then we review that person. Is this someone we actually know? Is this someone we go to school with? We play baseball with them or whatever. And if that's the case, then we let them in, because as we discussed with with predators. You can create any persona you want. You could be 50, and you could create an account that with an image and a name or whatever that appears that you are 12 or whatever age. So there's no way to know for sure. So we only let people in that we that we can vouch for that we've actually met before. Mm-hmm. So that is that will help take care of a lot of these issues that we're dealing with um, kids being approached by. Um, predators on social media. And then um, secondly is, uh, you know, a, a good a balance, right? Um, the American Medical Association uh, recommends that two, two hours for, for recreational screens um, a day. I think that's, I think especially now that we're in school, in the school season, um, your kid gets their homework done and they get uh, two hours of, of screen. So it could be TV, computer, Xbox or a combination thereof, they get two hours and then they're done. Mm-hmm. And then they have some quiet time before bed and and then they're ready for the next day. And this is something that I've been doing with, with my children for, for the last several years. And I have seen um, a big improvement in terms of their readiness in the morning to go to school because they're not up late. They mm-hmm. haven't been watching screens right up to bedtime. Um, and... Also, it encourages them to have a lot of pro-social experiences in person with other kids because they're not, you know, behind um, a screen in, a, in an Xbox controller all weekend. They're out there playing with kids and, and meeting and doing things. So um, that's another really important component. Yeah, th- those are two really simple, basic things parents can do. Uh, talk with their children and educate them about the risks and kind of the, the expectations and um, limit screen time. And they've got cell phones, tablets, laptops, computers, often in their own rooms, unsupervised access. Um, we tell them turn them off by 10 o'clock when you go to bed, but there's no guarantee they actually are. So some really simple, basic stuff. Probably, um, Clayton, 
taking those devices away from them uh, when they go into their rooms at night. Would that would that be another recommendation? Yeah, that's a really important recommendation. So in addition to, you know, laying out rules, there's some accountability, and you're going to create a, you know, create a situation where, um, you know, they, they, they can't do that. So you're going to take away uh, those devices before they go to bed. And the other thing, too, um, is if, your kid, if you give your kids social media, uh, really encourage them to find a charity or cause or something important that they're doing that has some kind of pro-community impact and make that a, an issue that they're going to promote on their social media platform like Instagram. So, for instance, uh, my son, he likes, um, you know, uh, he thinks the Wounded Warrior Project is, is great. So if he gets, a, if he gets Instagram, uh, he's going to follow Wounded Warrior Project uh, Instagram feed. And then he is going to repost that on his feed. And then if there's some, you know, 5K run or walk to help raise money for the charity, then he's going to invite his friends and he's going to go do it. And so all this is happening on social media. So it's not just him posting images of, um, you know, the food that he's eating or his, or his new baseball hat or whatever, but it's actually content that is, is positive, right? It's encouraging others. It's, it's encouraging him to think about things that are important, like helping others. It's encouraging his followers, his friends, to also do that. And then when colleges and you know, colleges or businesses look at his social media platform, they're going to see that he is also doing these things. Wow, that's excellent. It's like have, seeing yourself as a brand in brand management, PR and marketing. Um, when we come back, uh, Clayton, I want you to teach parents how they can fight fire with fire. What are some specific apps or tools or stra- strategies parents can use um, to address some of the inappropriate apps or sites that young people may access Uh, My guest today is cybersecurity expert Clayton Cranford, and we're talking about cyber safety for back to school and beyond. Um, We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor, SSI Guardian. This is Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Schools can no longer afford not to invest in a professional, evidence-based, advanced safety education training program. It's the single most important decision and investment a school administrator will ever make in their professional career. When all else fails, training and preparation are the only things that will increase your chances of survival in a violent incident such as an active shooter or active terrorism. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based, advanced training programs tailored to your needs. While there are many basic training programs largely based on opinion and emotion, SSI Guardian is the only advanced training program of its type with an accredited continuing education unit or CEU issued by an accredited university. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training and solutions to learning institutions, faith-based and professional organizations. To learn more, call SSI Guardian today at 877-878-5800 or visit guardianprotect.com. To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Welcome back, everyone. My guest is Cyber Safety Cop, Clayton Cranford. And for more information, visit his website, cybersafetycop.com. So, Clayton, thank you so much for all the good information that you're sharing Um, 
just really having a conversation with our, our children, educating them about the risks, limiting screen time, taking those devices away at night, just some really basic steps that parents can take. Um, and But how, how concerned should we be about trying to empower our, our students themselves to make good choices? How important is that? It's it's uh it's actually essential because um, we can't be there um, you know connected to their hip uh, 24/7 and uh, we need to give them the resources and uh, the education to, that they they can evaluate these situations that they're in and make good choices um, you know as, as as much as we'd like to as parents to be able to kind of hover over their shoulder all the time it, it's just not possible um, and a lot of these things are happening. Um, you know, even if you've instituted, you know, all the parental controls and and uh, everything you can think of, um, there's still that, you know, human factor uh, that we, we, you know, we just have to um, prepare our children so that when we're not around, um, they're going to be making good, safe choices. Mm-hmm. Good, safe choices about, as you've already shared, who do you let into your private network? What kinds of images are you even sharing? Um, how are you managing your brand, so to speak, and your online reputation? And I recommend that even young people Google themselves. Uh, that, that's a recommendation I give to adults and professionals all the time. Google yourself and see what pops up and set the Google alert. So anytime your name is mentioned online, you'll know what people are saying. Uh, it's never too early to start those types of practices, is it? No, it's not. Your your online profile, your digital reputation is your living, breathing uh, resume. And um, unfortunately, uh, kids, uh, students are making decisions that are, you know, impacting it forever. I mean, I made a lot of silly, you know, choices when I was a, when I was a teen, and thankfully nobody was recording it uh, on the Internet forever. Mm. Um, and, but our kids today, just they don't have that option anymore. They don't, they don't have that kind of grace. Yeah. So, um you know, in addition to, uh, you know, I mentioned before the uh, in the last segment the, the user contract that you can download from my website, cybersafetycop.com, um, which, which will help, you know, set clear consequences uh, and, and kind of expectations for what your kids should or shouldn't be doing online. But what I want to do is I want, I want students and kids to feel safe to go to their mom and dad and say, something happened, I need help, because that's that's really going to be the, the our catch-all, right? Mm. Um, and uh, you know, Pew Research asked the teens, um, if you're a, a you know a victim of abuse online, do you feel safe to talk to your mom and dad about it? And only one out of ten said yes. Mm. So I want to I want to flip that upside down. I want 90% of kids. I'd like 100%. I'll 100%, take 90. Yeah. <laughs> to feel safe. And so what what you need to tell your kid is, look, you're a kid. I was a kid. I made mistakes, and you will too. And that's how we learn. Mm-hmm. But if you make a mistake and something happens, and if you come to me or your mom or whoever, um, as soon as you possibly can, I'm going to help you. I'm not going to discipline you. Um, we're going to fix the problem, and then we're going to review kind of the situation here, and maybe you as a parent need to up, up your security game a little bit, or maybe you need to be a little more checking, uh, spot-checking what's going on, for instance. But um, we want kids to feel safe to come to mom and dad and say, I need help, because as a school resource officer and as a juvenile investigator, what I found was that most of the things that I had to deal with were things that probably could have been handled at the parent level, but they, 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 weren't, they weren't addressed because the parents didn't know. And then it came to school and things blew up at school, and now 
there's a disturbance at school, there's a fight or something, and now it's a school discipline issue. And now it's kind of, now it's on the permanent record, and it's something they can't fix necessarily. So that's a that's a great kind of bottom line takeaway is for parents to have the conversations with their children where their children know it's okay to come to them to talk about any mistakes they've made or concerns they've made when there's still time to remedy those issues. I know in the state of California you have laws that um, uh, uh, address the issue of um, non-consensual sharing of images um, mm-hmm. that that people have shared with the ex- expectation of privacy and us, that third party has passed it on to someone else. So there are remedies, legal remedies. All of the social media networks, they all have the, the legalese um, in terms of you already shared that if you feel someone has a, a fake profile in your name, there's a remedy to get that taken down. So young people may not be aware of that, but certainly if they go to their parents and their parents make it clear that you can always come to me, uh, that, that certainly would be a, a, a good takeaway for parents today. Yes, and, you know, parents uh, need to take back um, some of the ownership of, of, this, of these devices mm-hmm. and say, you know, this is my device. I'm letting you borrow it, um, and uh, so I'm going to know all the usernames mm-hmm. and all the passwords of all your social media applications. Uh, I had a parent um, contact me once and say, you know, how do I, how do I um, get into my kid's phone? And I thought she just didn't understand how to turn the phone on. She's like, no, I don't know the password. Mm. And I said, well, I go, you, 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 you're, if your child doesn't give you the password, you just take the phone from them. <laughs> And after um, a day and your kids curled up into a little ball in the corner <laughs> of the room because they haven't talked to their friends in like 12 hours, they will give you that password. <laughs> so, so parents, you, this stuff belongs to you. It's your responsibility. Um, and don't be afraid to, you know, maybe be the bad guy and um, know your kids' usernames and passwords and log in to their social media platform like Instagram and see what's going on, yeah. you know, and, um, don't 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 make the fatal error of posting anything on your child's um, social media feed because kids are definitely afraid that their parents are going to embarrass them. But you know, look at what's going on, right. and if you see something that's um, problematic, then talk to your kid offline about it and and have that conversation with them. That's good. I have 21 year old twins, and um, Facebook was new when they were young. And uh, I allowed them to have Facebook profiles, and so I established one myself so that I could monitor them. And I let them know, I'll be checking what you're doing. Feel free to check my page. And in fact, knowing my children were looking at my Facebook page helped me stay accountable and think before I posted. And so for some time, I thought, okay, this is working. I can see everything my children post, and it's looking good. I can have a conversation with them if there's something that concerns me. And then I started to notice that my children were posting less and less on Facebook. And I realized, I discovered sometime later that they had abandoned Facebook and secretly moved over to Instagram without my knowledge. And so, again, as parents... It may be really hard to keep track of all the different platforms our children are on, but it sounds like if we at least take control of the devices that they use to access uh, those platforms, we might be able to stay on top of things a little bit better. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and when you, you know, we discussed earlier, when you take that device from them at night, so they're going to bed and they don't have that phone in the room with them, it's in your room mm-hmm. and you're charging your room. And that also gives you an opportunity to kind of peruse uh, at your at your leisure, what's going on, 
and um, and it's really you know um, you're there to keep your kids safe. You know, mm-hmm. you're not we're not spying on our children, but um, there's just too much at stake. We, there's too many too many incidents where um, parents are like, well, I don't want to invade my child's privacy, and then you realize that. Um, you know they're they're being involved in something and and you don't find out about it until it's it's, it's too, too late. late so yeah. we want to make sure that we're on top of those things so um so you need to kind of maybe I, I would tell parents thicken your skin a little bit um when you start reading some of the things that kids are talking about but you're you're there to provide context uh you're going to see things i think might um disturb you a bit uh but again that's an opportunity if you talk to your kid in a non-judgmental way but just hey let's talk about this what's going on with your friend and and just, you know, have a better understanding of things. I yeah. think that's very important. Great, great advice. And, you know, we're concerned about violating their privacy, but there are strangers out there with bad intentions who have no problem uh, violating their privacy and exploiting them and taking advantage of their vulnerabilities. So it's our job to keep our children as safe as we, we can. Mm-hmm. Now, what about when children are at school? Uh, so it's one thing to do all of these safety measures that you're you're sharing and that you share on your website, cybersafetycop.com. Uh, but what can schools um, do or take into consideration? We don't have a lot of time, so what might be you know one or two top things that uh, school officials can do, safety and security me- measures? Right. Well, they what they should do is um, they, they should have – well, most schools today, um, at least here in California, are doing some kind of digital citizenship uh, class with along with the other things that the kids are learning at school. And so that is good. Um, they should be they should be bringing in their school resource officer, have them come in and talk to kids about the real life kind of issues that that they're seeing. That's 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 something that I also do. I go to schools and talk to them about predators and you know making these making a threatening comment to someone on online and what that can mean for you. So all those kinds of issues that maybe don't necessarily get covered in those those cyber safety or cyber uh, citizenship classes, and then. Um, the school and the, and the, 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 the administrator there should be working with the families and helping them kind of uh, shore up some of those issues. The school is the hub for a lot of families and for safety and for education. So, um, you know, the, the police officer, the school, and the parent are kind of this triangle, you know, type of formation and the kids in the middle, and we're trying to keep the kids safe, uh, all working together as a team. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, cybersecurity expert Clayton Cranford, our cybersecurity cop, thank you so much for being my guest today and sharing cyber safety guidelines and tips to help our children and ourselves stay, stay safe in cyberspace. Thanks so much, Clayton. Thank you, Dr. Pegg. Listeners, if you'd like to learn more about my mental health and safety consulting and training for higher education, faith-based, and community and government organizations, go to my website at drpegradio.com. And if you're an adult who works with young people, you don't want to miss my Youth Mental Health First Aid class coming up in October. My guest today has been Clayton Cranford, and I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, reminding you to live well. Humorous and searing. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Living Well with Dr. Pegg. Living Well with Dr. Pegg is brought to you by SSI Guardian, who has set the new standard in advanced safety education. If you'd like to learn more about the show, our sponsor, or mental health consulting and publishing services, visit www.drpegradio.com. Remember to join us every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 94.7 KRKS-FM for Living Well with Dr. Pegg.